I'm hype again. I'm hype again because one of my best friends, my homie, was like, yo, I love the energy that you brought on the last show. So, this is your host, Rob, back with another episode of From My Experience Podcast. Y'all already know how we do. First thing I want to do is thank all of my listeners, my subscribers, my followers, my group members, Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, all of that. I love y'all. Thank you. Hope you are still taking care of yourselves mentally physically and financially hope you had a stupendous week thus far because this is a wednesday that you're listening to this so hopefully you whooped monday and tuesday's arse and now you just chilling on hump day today mm, 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 mm. i might get a little emotional today y'all might get a little emotional if you know me you know about a year ago yeah just about a little over a year ago, your boy was struggling in life. Your boy was trying to relocate. Your boy was job hunting. All kinds of stuff, right? And the good Lord blessed me with an angel who came in my life, took my resume that was tritted ash and turned it into tritted azure, gold and diamonds, and... Within a short period of time, your boy had a job. Your boy was able to move. And still getting job offers now. <laughs> Not even applying now. They, they replying from a year ago. I'm like, hi, Robert. Do you want it? No, nah, I don't want to do that. Um, I'm good where I'm at, though. But I have to give her her flowers. She is a godsend. She is a life changer. She is going to be, well, going to be, she's making major moves. Every time I talk to her, there is more and more and more progress being made. This is the type of person you need in your life. Even if you don't talk to them every day, just to be able to watch them and see their moves will make you get up off your ass and say, yo, I need to do something. It ain't that I got to keep up, but it's that I see you. And I want to be seen like that, too. I want to serve as motivation, too. So, ladies and gentlemen, a super-duper awesome special guest that helped change my life. She is a career branding expert and the founder of Black Man Day, Dr. Ashley Dash. I wasn't expecting all that. <laughs> <laughs> so you just gonna get some flowers. You did tell me that. You did warn me. I wasn't prepared. It got misty eyed over here. You got misty eyed. I got a little misty eyed. I ain't gonna lie. <laughs> I get misty eyed every time I scroll on Facebook and I see your name, and I was like, <laughs> "How are so I'm you?" Sorry. I am great. How are you? I am fantabulous for the most part, but as uh, an educator. You know, this fall teaching mm. thing. I just found out I'm going to be virtual for the entire first quarter. Listen, hand claps all around for that. Yeah. And then they're going to go to a 50% model after that. So we we'll see. shall see. Yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll see. Things are going to be different because I'm teaching a different grade level and I have five times as many kids. Oh, wow. Yeah, so we'll see. But this ain't about me. This is about you oh my goodness um well let's start with your career you being a career branding ex expert so yes um tell the people and like i told y'all she took my tritted ash resume not just my resume she took my resume and my experiences she made me dig deeper than anyone in my life has ever made me dig and made me what you did for me was you helped shed light on my transferable skills. I had more skills than I realized, and you showed me how mm -hmm. to articulate them properly so that an employer could see them. So I've had personal experience with her, and it, it works. <laughs> Trust me, y'all. It works. Like, I, yeah, 
my resume is solid. I need to update it a little bit because I have a new mm-hmm. job now. Well, two new jobs now. So, but any hoodle, let's. I'm sorry. I'm just. I'm rambling because I love. That's you. all I need to hear. Is like when I tell people what I do, they like that's it. I'm like it works. So you saying that just validates everything <laughs> I ever tell people. So okay, let's talk about your journey into becoming a um, career branding expert. Okay, so my journey. So I'll just start here. Listen. The reason I'm a career branding expert is because I was an unemployed college graduate. <laughs> that uh-huh. is where my story started. So I graduated from the wonderful, beautiful Winthrop University whoop, whoop, yeah. in Rock Hill, South Carolina, right? And I followed the advice. I got the internships, corporate inter- internships. I went to career services, updated my resume, um, graduated and did all that stuff. And I couldn't find a job. It just, it was like pink. No one would touch me with like a 10 foot pole. Like I couldn't figure out what happened. So make a long story short, I thought I had, I had enough money. I did save some money. I had enough money to either break my lease and kind of move home or pay my next month's rent. So I called my mom, listen, call actually, I be more specific. I called my mom in tears, Mm. (laughs) right? Um, I told her, listen, this is what it is. I have enough money to do this, to break my lease or to pay another month, to to pay another month rent. Mm. And I'm from a very small city outside of Aiken, South Carolina on a dirt road. So I was not trying to go back because I was in Charlotte, North Carolina at the time. She said, pay your rent. And if you don't, you know, if you don't find something in the next 30 days, then, um, then we'll figure it out. We'll we'll move you home. I said, okay. So in those next 30 days, I cried, I prayed and I unlearned everything they had taught me to do and start doing stuff that I felt I should do. And that's how actually I began began the journey of career branding expert. Within the 30 days, I got an internship that led to my full-time job um, in my first corporate position. So that's kind of how we started. Very, very humble beginnings. Very, very humble beginnings. I'm just, so let me give y'all a little more context to what she sent me in her questionnaire. And it just, I sat, I had to sit here in awe and just look how quickly someone's life can change. And as she said, I went from moving home, unemployed, being denied unemployment, facing foreclosure, no bank account because it got closed due to overdraft fees, to cashing the biggest check I've ever received in my life, and moving to Japan for the job of my dreams in less than seven months. Now, here's the thing with that. So I always like to preface things, okay? Mm-hmm. Once you learn something, you can always apply it again and again. So because when I first started my career branding expert journey, I was unemployed, you can become unemployed again. And I became unemployed again, but I knew what to do this time. So that's how I was able to, you know, to jump so quickly to that space. And plus, you know, I have the skills and things like that. But yeah, man, um, unemployment is not something that people talk about publicly. It took a long time for me to talk about publicly. There's a lot of fear, a lot of shame, frustration, embarrassment in that space, burnt out. Like so many things kind of come up when unemployment is talked about. So it wasn't until I started sharing my journey and just saying, guys, I've been unemployed. I've been hired and I've been fired in HR, right? That I've been able to kind of have people open up to me in a different way so we can actually get the ball rolling. Because if you have all these emotions repressed and you haven't dealt with them, it's going to impact how you move, how much money you can make and what life looks like. So we got to deal with that. So I started sharing it because although I still find it uncomfortable and embarrassing, it frees other people. We got to talk about it. But there's so many millions upon millions of people just like you. <laughs> well, that were in that same position or are in that same position still mm-hmm. is absolutely nothing to be embarrassed about, um, in my opinion. I mean, we all go through struggles, trials, and tribulations, but it's about what you do. Like, you got up. You are the definition of I got up. You rose from, I mean, that kind of stuff puts people into a depressive state. It's like, I, I, it can. I don't know it if I could have seen the way it can. out. Yeah, I don't know if I would have seen the way out. Cause I, me and Jack Daniels and had some nights together, <laughs> but that is, <laughs> that is not the answer. 
So you say you help black men reach six figures and beyond so they can build their legacy and have career freedom. Yes. My ears are wide open. All the wax is gone. What's up? Okay, so here's the thing, right? Um, I've been working as a career branding expert for years, and over time, majority of my clients are black, black men mm-hmm. in entrepreneurship and in corporate America. And when I talk to them, they really want to make six figures. That's, that's what they said. They want to make six figures because they really just want to take care of their family, right? And that's kind of where we start. But the key to doing that is I have to start with the black man. Like, I have to start with you. I need to make sure that you are where you want to be, not where where you want to be, where you need to be to get you to where you want to be. So we got to hit different aspects of life that you probably aren't comfortable, not say comfortable, because mo- all my clients are comfortable with me. We have really candid conversations. But um, you may not be ready or expecting for me to ask. So I believe I'll ask questions about, okay, you know, I'll ask how much money you make, how much money you want to make, what your ooh. background is. Those types of, those, those are basic questions. Yeah. I'll be like, oh, then I'll start asking other questions. And I think you might have experienced this. So, you know, are you open to relocation? Are you married? Do you have a girlfriend? You know, are y'all to get, you know, we start asking personal questions because if, yeah. And you was like, hold up. I don't yeah, know. Like, Who this? Right. <laughs> Because that's going to impact the advice I'm going to give you. If you're a single black man, we have wholly different options and strategies than if you are a married black man with three kids, right? You bought a house and a mortgage, right? Those realities are separate. So I hit each portion of what I call wellness of a black man to make sure you have what you need to get to that step, right? So we talk about your family life, your social life, right? Um, Emotionally. Are you prepared for some of the things you're going to experience once you hit six figures, right? On the job or in yourself, like the fear that's going to come up or the the fear of success or failure, right? Mm-hmm. Um, how people might be trying, hey, they know you got six figures now, right? You're moving different. They're going to ask for money and help. Are you prepared to deal with that? Those conversations, um, you got to have different levels of, of awareness, as you're moving through your journey and most people only deal with the one part, which is the job and the career. And that's only one facet of everything a black man needs to begin building his legacy. You are someone who cares. You know, so many people attempt or they attempt to do what you do, but it's surface level. It's like, Getting there is half the battle. I mean, everyone's heard stories of, you know, celebrities who've risen and fallen. It's about not just getting there. Like you said, you have to know that things are going to change. Your life is not going to be the same. There are going to be people in your life pulling on you, asking you to do things. And you got to figure out how to navigate that. Um, Mm -hmm. I've had to learn that. I'm very, very, very giving. I'm very giving to a fault almost, but I've learned over the years to curve that a bit. And I learned that no is okay. And it's okay for you to be mad at me for telling you no, because at the end Mm -hmm. of the day, if I bail you out, I already know I can't come to you to bail me out because I bailed you out. (laughs) Right. So don't be mad because I'd rather pay my rent than pay, you know, whatever it is you're trying to do. And then you go to the club the next weekend and get your hair and nails did, or you buy Mm -hmm. some Jordans or something like that. But last week you was calling me crying. Priority. No is no period. It's a full sentence. People mm. get mad at me. I am the queen, the princess, you know, of no. And I, I won't say anything else. I'll say no and look at you. <laughs> <laughs> I got to steal that. <laughs> I'm just saying like, there's no, what else? The only, like, there's only like a couple people on the planet that can get me beyond the no. And one of them includes my mom. But even she knows when I say no in a certain turn, certain, certain tone, even she knows, oh, okay. Wow. <laughs> so what has been, I would say, what would, what would you say has been one of the more challenging parts of, you know, putting yourself out there and helping other people with their careers? This sounds so weird, but to me, the hardest part has been being vulnerable because in order to, I, I feel like this is a very sacred space. This is how I treat it, right? Um, this is part of, this is, someone's career is the biggest part of their life because it impacts so many other parts of their life, their family, their wife or spouse, um, their kids, kind of their personal uh, self-confidence, like everything. It's very 
tied, at least in America, tied very much to your career. So in order to have that level of openness and trust, I have to share information. I have to let people know, hey, I've been through here. Uh... I, I understand it. So I've had to actually go inside myself and heal and let some things go and pray some things through and journal some things down so that I can be present when I hear something so I'm not triggered by my experience. So that level of openness and vulnerability, I'm there with you and I can relate, but I'm not stuck in it where I can't help you. I listen for information to create the strategy that you need, not the strategy that I want you to have or that I needed at the time but didn't get you know, mm-hmm. uh, so that's been the biggest struggle for me. It's just that layer of vulnerability that has to exist, in my opinion, for me to do the work that I do. Okay. Besides me, have you ever had any other difficult clients? <laughs> First of all, I'm like this. You are not a difficult client, actually. You were pretty simple, actually. You were pretty. It's like, oh, that's it? Okay, I got you. Um, I think people view themselves as difficult just because we don't talk about the transitions and all the things that we talk about publicly. So it feels like you haven't really done this before, but it's pretty simple. Um, I typically don't have difficult, difficult clients. I always say all of my clients are a version of me at some time in my life. So I don't view myself as difficult. So no, no difficult clients. Um, I have had some people maybe in the past before I did it coaching who, um, they didn't respond as well to the resumes because I require a certain level of detail and information, which you've experienced. Yes. Um, so, and they're not necessarily down for the cause. So then I stopped kind of, I started filtering those people out and, send, and referring those, pe- those people to other resume writers. Uh-huh. And then I kind of stopped working on resumes unless you are a, a higher level client. And you got me in the midst of that. I think you were like my last only resume client before I said, okay, if you want to work with me, I'll do your resume. But if not, I can send you a referral. Gotcha. Um, I will say this, and this is a tidbit from y'all and something I learned from her without giving away too much because <clears throat> she good at what she does and it ain't free. Um, and you shouldn't do it for free if you're good at it. You should be paid for your hard work and skills and talents, I believe. She taught me I would have been in trouble if it weren't for the way that my career is set up. The way my career is set up in education, everything is digitally tracked. I can go back from the beginning of my career to today and get a printout of every single training I've ever been to, all of my certifications, all of it's there for me. Whereas I know some of you in other career fields, it's not like that. It's like, if you don't remember it or you can't find that certificate or email, you may leave out a vital piece of information. So those of you who are out there, especially if you're younger, just starting your career or early in your career, Start cataloging your accomplishments, your achievements, your trainings, your skills that you've learned, the programs you're using. Start documenting that stuff now because that was a lot of what Dr. Dash asked me for. (laughs) And I was like, I don't know. I don't know. Like I had to call my district and I was like, do y'all have? And she was like, yeah, we have all this. And she sent it. And I said, oh, I've been to 400 trainings. Not 400. Listen, that's where the treasure comes from. I was so excited when you called me with that. I was like, yes. I was like, money. Yeah, and that that stuff, um, funny enough, that stuff really um, became a highlight point in my resume. Um, yeah, set the bar high because when I got my new job, they were like, "Oh, we definitely want you." And then I peaced out after a year. When they um, say "oh," when they say "oh" like that, that's why I hear dollar signs. Like you know, I'm a money girl. <laughs> you know, I was all the information for me. So this is one thing I talk about all the time is your resume should be profitable, right? If you've ever been to any of my trainings, I always say your resume should be profitable. It is designed, right? Uh Designed and created to make you money. Okay. No one asked to look at your diploma. They'll verify that you have it, but no one asked to see it. True. Okay. They asked to see your resume and your resume should look like dollar signs. I want to hear that. Oh, because to me, that's a comma. That's the t- extra 10%. You know, that's the that's yeah. money in the bank. Very, very true. Very true. All right. I've been trying to hold off. I can't hold off any longer. I have, I have, I have one more question, and then I'm going to get okay. into some more meat and potatoes because I'm highly interested. Okay. So you've talked a lot about black men. Where did this passion and love for wanting to highlight and help black men come from? Uh, now this is going to sound really strange and I know like this is the first time I've ever said it publicly, 
So it's a little weird. So give me a second. I got the but, exclusive. Yeah, you got the exclusive. So I was actually in a training, right, um, in a mentorship a couple years ago. And the whole portion of the mentorship was your emotional capacity is actually directly connected to your money, right? That's That was her ideology. So in one of the trainings, um, one of the sessions, should I say, um, we have to go through different things, but I had to do a radical forgiveness exercise, right? So I was raised in a single parent environment and uh, my dad wasn't there. Um, he wasn't actively in my life and we don't have a really good relationship to this day, to be perfectly honest. But I did a radical forgiveness exercise that I guess loosened some space of openness and, and viewing things from a different perspective. I mean, I'd agree, but it was the first time I was able to openly view um, from a different, another perspective other than being hurt, you know, wounded or whatever, right? After that exercise kind of happened, honestly, within a week, I just had like an influx of love for black men that I had never experienced before. It was kind of just like a, a floodgate of like, but I have black men in my life. You know, I have uncles and cousins and my godfather. We're very close and things like that. But something about that forgiveness exercise actually opened up the gate I didn't know was closed for black men. And then I moved to Atlanta, Georgia. Um, and I was in an environment where I was surrounded by black men. Um, in my personal life, just there were black men everywhere. Um, I had nephews, my, my sister was married, and all his homeboys, he had a studio, so music, there's always just black men around. And in that space, I just learned that how dope they were, not just they were trying to have sex or they were trying to you know, get at me. They were just cool people. They were interested. They were sharing. They just wanted you to win. I was like, y'all could be doing so much more. So we started having conversations about this is how you do this. This is how you do that. Mm -hmm. And just naturally over time, it kind of, it kind of happened. But meanwhile, I was already working with black men unofficially in corporate America. Right. So like they would come to me for questions or advice or we would just have conversations. So it was like a culmination of everything. But I know it started after that radical forgiveness exercise, which is why I do ask black men about emotionally how they're feeling, because I experienced the difference that there could be some money over here that we're not aware of if you're not open to it. But I need to know if it's locked or not, you know. Wow. Um, so that's actually why I asked some of the questions that I ask. Um, I think we. You know, I ask you some certain things. Um, a couple of times, you was like, hold on. I don't know. <laughs> like, what's going on over here? Yeah, for sure. Mm -hmm. But I experience. So everything I teach, I, I've experienced. So that's why I ask. So that's where it comes from. This is profound. Um, I never would have thought those things that you just said were connected. Um, and I didn't realize that until we talked. And... You know, I'm I'm highly emotionally driven. Like, I don't do or engage in anything unless my heart is in it now. Like, mm -hmm. if I'm not feeling it, like, chasing a dollar sign isn't enough for me. Like, I, it has to be in alignment with me and my happiness. It really right. is, like, it has to go together. If it doesn't go together, I don't care if, it's a, if I make a million dollars a week. If I'm miserable, then I'm still miserable. I'm just a miserable millionaire. That might not be so bad, but... <laughs> and, and some people are like that, which is why I have to... Because every black man is different. Yeah. So I have to gauge where you are on the spectrum. Because I think I asked you, okay, are we just moving because we want the money or are we moving just because we need the location? Like, what's the motivation? Because that's where we're going to start. You can't... Very few people can get everything at the same time. Right. Typically, you tell me what you want, and if it's a one-step process, boom. Rarely is that the case. It might take three steps. Well, okay, we get you here. Once we relocate you, okay, then we'll get you the money, you know, and then we'll get you the next thing you want. It's like a progression, but it doesn't have to take that long. So that's why I do, my, do tell my clients, like, it could be a three-step process, but it doesn't, it's not as long as it sounds. Yeah, we might have to talk about um, next steps for me, but we'll see. Okay. <clears throat> Been thinking over a couple things, haven't made a final decision. Okay. All right, I've put it off long enough. Now, and I mentioned this in the intro, ladies and gentlemen, but before we get into this part of the conversation, we got to pay some bills. We'll be right back. I'm sure you've never considered adding a coloring book to your bedroom repertoire, but Love and Lust is the adult adult coloring book full of sensual imagery sure to get things heated up. I'm Jessica Van, and I help individuals and couples to enhance their sexual experiences through learning to prioritize their pleasure. 
I'm a licensed therapist and I developed this coloring book as a way to eliminate the shame sometimes associated with sex and increase healthy conversations about true intimacy. Love and Lust is accompanied by the Essential Love and Lust Toolbox, which is online and offers therapeutic exercises sure to spice up things in and out of the bedroom. Head over to EnvisionCounselingLLC.com and get your Love & Lust Toolkit today. From my experienced podcast listeners, get 25% off when you use promo code FME. Get your copy of Love & Lust today and add a little color to your sexy. Hey, we are back. Make sure you spice up that love life with the Love and Lust Toolkit. Uh, don't forget about that promo code. It'll be in the description. Now, back with Dr. Ashley Dash. Yes. Dr. Dash, tell the beautiful people about Black Man Day. Okay. So I can tell you where to start from. <clears throat> Two things, actually. So I was looking for a Father's Day gift for my godfather. And he's real, like, laid back and low-key. So he didn't really require much, you know. But finding a present for him for Father's Day is horrible, not because of him, but because there's really nothing out there. If you don't do sports, if you don't grill, you know, if you, know, if you don't drink alcohol, then you pretty much don't have a Father's Day gift, right? That's pretty True. much all that's out there. But when you go Mother's Day, you can find anything you want, like anything under the sun. You can create it from scratch for like $5, you know what I'm saying? Yep. So I was like, why is it so difficult to find a gift for a multi-layered black man? Like there are more to black men than these three things. So that was the first thought that came. And then all of a sudden I kept seeing these like, every day there's like a national holiday. There's like a national cupcake day, oh. a national XYZ day, like all these random things. Yes. And I was like, why isn't there a day for black men? So then I started looking. <laughs> and I was like, there's no black man day. And they're like, oh, there's, you know, there's African-American, you know, history month, you know, black history month. And, um, oh, there's Juneteenth, you know, Juneteenth is big, you know, this year because of yeah. everything that's happening. But I was like, Juneteenth is related to slavery. And I don't want to, you know, that's great, but I don't want, you know, a, a negative holiday. That's how I interpret it. It's, a, it's celebrating a good thing, but for a negative experience. Right. African Black History Month, African American History Month, uh, it still go back to slavery. I just wanted a day <laughs> for Black men <laughs> to be like, yes, like I just wanted a day where I could, you know, be excited for my homeboys. You know, right. all of my friends are not dads, right? But they're still cool. They still need some kudos, some love, some appreciation, some validation, you know? So I was like, you know what? I'm going to create a day. So I did. <laughs> National Black Men Day. <laughs> That's what everyone else did. National Hot Dog Day. Right. National Paper Towel Day. National Black... Cat Day. <laughs> Headphone Day. <laughs> Don't get me started. Well, I appreciate you for doing that. So what should people expect? I saw that you have a page for this. Is this an event? What What are we looking at here? Okay, so Black National Black Man Day is going to be August 8th from now until eternity is what I say, okay? Okay. Like, this is the first year we're doing it. Uh, but in without, when you have a day, you have to have a celebration, right? Mm -hmm. So, like, when you have Christmas, you open presents. You have Easter, you get an Easter egg basket, right? Um, for Black Man Day, we're having a celebration, and that's going to be a, a virtual event, obviously, because of the conditions, right? Mm -hmm. Where I am basically bringing together some of my best, coolest people that I trust, my friends, um, some people I know who roll hard, and we're going to actually come together and offer Black men the tools, resources, and safe space that they need to thrive, okay? It's a virtual event, and we're just going to be honest and have these honest conversations that I know need to be had. Typically, I have these conversations privately with my clients, right? Mm -hmm. But, you know, sometimes there's a financial barrier, right? They don't have the money or they got to work some things out which I understand and I feel because I've been there, right? Because I've been unemployed. So right. I know what that's like. So I'm putting together a space where I'm bringing together the experts. You bring yourself. It's a safe space. Let's get to work. That's basically what we're doing. 
at Black Man Day. I'm definitely gonna be there. Yay! Um, for sure. What day is that on? What day? August eighth. It? It's a Saturday. Oh yeah, I do. I have no life on the weekends. You pick. Up <laughs> <laughs> Perfect. Yeah. My friends ask me on Monday what I'm doing on Saturday, and I'm like, you already know nothing. All right, that is going to be excellent. Oh my gosh, what is this? Well, when this becomes like a big thing, like even bigger than it's already going to be, because I know it's going to be big and fantastic. But like when like a president or somebody is like, we're going to declare this. Are you yes. going to like, are you going to like fly home and like get a medal for it and say, hey, that's mine? Uh, I'll probably not do that. I'll probably defer that to a black man Aww. in my life who I care about um, and, and give it to him because. That, to me, that's what's important. Like, I feel like, and I, I always hate to do this, but I do this all the time. I, go, I call my black man rant. I feel like black men are kings. And I feel like they are amazingly talented. And just because the world doesn't tell you that or appreciate that doesn't mean that you're still not a king. Like a diamond is still a diamond, no matter if it's in the mud or not. Just because other people don't know your value doesn't mean you're still not valuable. So in terms of black man day, I know, because I work in corporate America, right? I My dissertation, right, is on the lack of Black men in Fortune 500 companies at the executive level. I've spent research, time, effort. I know that the system is not designed and built for you to win. I understand that. I know that. I know you get paid less, you know, 87 cents compared to every white man dollar. I know. But there are things we can do, strategies we can use to get beyond that, right? It's not going to fix everything, mm -hmm. but it will give you a head start and put you in a position to win. I feel like if I put black men in the position to win, they'll take care of everything else. I don't have to worry about anything else. When you are financially straight, when you're emotionally straight, when you and your spouse or your kids, you know, however that works for you are straight, then you will do naturally the gifts that are, are inside of you. You will help people. You will make a difference. You will shine bright. My goal is just to get you to that space where you can win, right? And that's what this is, just the beginning of setting that up. I'm sorry, I'm stunned. You're, you're, I, I love your black man rants. That <laughs> <laughs> happens all the time. I try to contain them, but it's, I can't help it. No, don't contain them because it's, you know, I get in hindsight, maybe I shouldn't have posted this, but I posted, I'm in some singles groups on, um, I'm single now um on um facebook and i said something to the effect of how come i always see posts about um toxic men and getting that energy from women and other men but i said i never see that energy towards women or i rarely see that type of energy towards women um and it just made me think about what you just said because there's just not enough positivity being thrown our way it's just mm -hmm. not enough of it i see way more negative things about black men coming from black women and women of other races and just media way more so than positive you know so and it's so hard to just have to prove yourself as a person to people because they just look at you with a side eye and it's like oh my god i gotta fight through all of this just so you right. can see that i'm not a piece of crap so I definitely appreciate it. I could listen to your black man rants all day. Maybe I should just have a time where I just go rant unless y'all can come and listen to it. Yeah. Dead ass, yo. You should do that. I'd be there like clockwork and put everything on hold for real. Um, dang it. I lost my train of thought. What was I gonna ask you? I hate when I do this. Well, I can rant some more because one of rant. the things I talk about is that black men are not broken. And we always come from the perspective of trying to fix a black man, right? Mm. You're not broken. There's nothing to fix. There are strategies we can introduce. There's more information that you probably need that we all didn't have at a certain time. But you, as a person, you are not broken. And when anybody who comes onto my campus or comes into my space, that's one of the first things we talk about. You're not broken. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to teach you strategies that you can use for the rest of your life so that you can win. Right After you leave me, you shouldn't need to come back to me for the same thing. Once I taught you how to do your resume, your career, how to talk about transferable things, unless you have a question at a higher level, we should never have to have that same conversation again. 
Now we might have a variation of that conversation in terms of, you know, moving to something else or, you know, the emotional aspect, you know, I got this new position. I wasn't prepared for the pressure. That's a different conversation than, okay, your resumes, you know what I'm saying? Like, mm-hmm. You're not broken. These are strategies. These are tools. Let's get you the resource that you need so that you can thrive. And then let's keep it moving. Because it's a continual process. It'll never end. You just... <laughs> I need, like, recordings of you. Maybe you need a podcast. <laughs> I need, like, recordings of you to, like, listen to this, like, during my daily four-mile walk or, like, when we get back to whatever norm the new norm is and we actually drive places mm-hmm. um i need to listen to this this positive reinforcement you're giving you're breathing life into me right now I just i'm like you know oh, but that's man. what you need i feel like that's what black men need you i remember do. just having conversations with my friends in atlanta and i do have what i call righteous indignation right like jesus flipping over tables right I get upset when I see black men with potential not living up their potential. And the only thing blocking them is not lack of effort, is they don't have a plan or a strategy. I remember being at my sister's table in Atlanta, and I'm not sure what triggered me. I'm not going to lie. Something triggered me. I'm not sure what happened. But it was like a house full of, not house full, but it was like a whole bunch of guys at the house. And they were, I don't know if they were complaining or they were frustrated. I don't know what happened, but I literally banged my hand on the table like, listen, we're not going to do this today. (laughs) <laughs> and I just started putting people to work. They were like, what is going on? My sister's looking like, Ashley, what's happening? I was like, you go get your credit card. We're going to buy your domain name. Hey, you you work the marketing? Okay, you about to build a website. I'm going to give you a timeline. Hey, you, you want a business? Let's go sit there and talk about it. Let's write it out, right? Mm-hmm. It was within like a span of an hour where I literally made like three or four black men like get to work. Like we went from, ah, yep. oh, this not working to like, no, not, to, not while I'm here. Y'all want to do it when I leave? That's fine. But I'm here for the weekend. So while I'm here, we get to work. <laughs> you you know what? You're you're truly an angel. That is something I I tell. I've had these conversations with my brother. I'm like, bro, I'm tired of us talking and having the same conversation. You're telling me you're saying the same thing you were saying to me six months ago, a year ago, a year and a half ago. Where's your plan? I'll help you, but I need I need something to go off to help you. I can't make the plan for you. I'm not you. I'm in a different situation. I have a different path. Like that's that's a big thing with us, man. Like we have to plan it out. People just see an Instagram post or something and they see someone else do it. And it's great that you believe in yourself, but you can't just go out there and expect it to happen. Like you gotta have things in place. You gotta prepare for what if this doesn't happen? Do I have a plan B? How much money am I going to need to start this? Do I actually need one, two, three, four, and five? Maybe I can do this or just one, two, and three. Like all those things you're talking about are those essential tools. And it's like when you have a plan, when you're confused, when you're scared, when you're starting to lose hope, you can always pull that thing out and look at it and be like, oh. Black and white. Exactly. It's like I already answered all, all these questions bouncing in my head. I already answered them. Why am I putting myself through this? I have a plan. Mm-hmm. I have a plan. So plan, gosh darn it. I remember plan I was going to ask you. take action. Yes. Take the freaking action, too. Don't let the plan collect dust. Um, how in the heck did you end up in Japan? <laughs> Japan. Funny story. <laughs> Not so funny. <laughs> um, so I always say that uh, Atlanta is like the burst, best and worst part of me right? My experience in Atlanta. Mm -hmm. Um, I say Atlanta broke my heart a little bit. Oh no. Um, We had just everything, a lot of things happen wrong, but for the best reasons. So ends up um, having to leave Atlanta, long story short, right? Mm -hmm. And moved home um, to this time secretly. So if you don't know me, my friends judge me and laugh at me. It's fine. Whenever I do something um, I'm not sure about or I'm struggling, I always do things in secret. So they always say, dash moves in silence, right? Mm-hmm. So I secretly moved home. No one knew except my mom and like my best friend. And uh, I knew when I, when I moved I, and I was unemployed, I knew when I left that when I came home that I didn't want to settle. I feel like I moved to Atlanta. I did some great things, but I still settled. I know I wasn't living up to my full potential. Um, I knew there's some emotional things that I hadn't quite dealt with um, from what I call the corporate environment. So what I call work hurt, there are some microaggressions. There are some things that we hold in that if we don't talk about it, they build up over time and they come out in different ways. 
Right. I hadn't dealt with some work hurt that I had experienced, particularly as a black woman working in a predominantly um, white male space in transportation and automotive. Um, so I was kind of settling. I was like, I don't want to deal with all the, the political stuff. So I moved home and I didn't have any money, but I had a house and the renters um, left and it, it started facing foreclosure and just like a lot of things. My grandma went to the hospital um, at the time. There's like so many things that was happening. But at the time, I'm a, when I say I'm a Jesus girl, and like a year or two before 2017, my pastor, he he um, he had a message that was directly for me. He didn't say my name, but I knew it was for me. I'm trying to make this short, but it's not short. Go ahead. Let me go back. So there is a, um, on Goldcast, which I love. Goldcast is so positive. On Goldcast, there is a, a video of Denzel Washington talking, giving a commencement speech. Uh -huh. And in his, his commencement speech, he's talking about a woman who gave him a prophecy, right? And, and he had like dropped out, not dropped school, he had flunked out of school and he was thinking about doing the military. But anyways, he talks about how this woman gives him a prophecy. And I have always been in church and people have prophesied to people, but never to me, my entire life. I have been in church all my life and that has never happened to me. And I always felt like left out and like, why, like, why am I else get one? I don't get one. It happens every time, you know, mm -hmm. every time it happens, I always get left out. So I have been listening to that, been having those feelings. And then like a couple months later, I feel like God gave me my prophecy. He told me, you going to do this. You're going to do that. Like, I still have the, 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 the CD. Wow. Like he was just speaking like this is, but then all oh, hell broke loose after the prophecy. I moved to Atlanta and like all oh, hell broke loose. And I just remember thinking that's not what he told me. So a lot of times on Facebook, people will see that for me, that's not what he, God told me. So in that space, I just got really, really open and I surrendered. I said, you know what, God, I'm here. I'm open. I'm listening. This is what I want, but I don't want it if you don't want me to have it. Like I just let it go. Right. Because mm. I had made six figures before, but I wasn't happy. You know, I remember sitting mm. in my desk in California, making six figures in my corner office, sunny outside crying, literally in the office, because I wasn't happy. This isn't what I wanted. Wow. Right. So after having that experience, going through Atlanta, I surrendered in the house. I feel like it's a whole nother story, but I feel like God gave me that house. And I didn't understand why it was going through foreclosure. Like, why would you take it away? Like you made it happen for me to get it because I wasn't supposed to be able to qualify for it. So I just kind of like said, you know what, if you want it and this is the way you want to take it back, that's fine. I took my hand off of everything. Mm -hmm. Right. And I talked to um, some people, some of the people that I talked to are, are going to be at the virtual conference. Um, and they kind of walked me through some spaces, walked me through some steps. And I did what I know how to do. And I said, okay, we're going we gonna to start over. Like if, if all I had was God, God was all I needed. Right. Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. we started there and then I started doing what I do. I do my career branding thing. I said, okay, Ashley, be specific. Like talk to my clients about clarity. What do you want? I want a six figure job. Okay. Where you want to live? I, at this point, I live anywhere in the world. Like I was already on Airbnb looking at, you know, different places, you know, and not say Sri Lanka, but Africa, <laughs> France, right. you know, I was just, I was open. Well, actually, what do you want to do? So I wrote down specifically what I wanted to do. I want to do career development. You know, I wanted to do this. So I just started being very specific and open to that process. And then I only applied for positions that were matched for what me and God had talked about, what he had cleared, right? Mm. And that's what happened when, um, when uh, I applied to the position in Japan. I think I applied like the end of February. It didn't, and it was what I say, it doesn't take long. Like, I know this sounds like a whole long process. Mm -hmm. I moved home in February. I think I applied for that job at the end of February. And I feel like, Probably heard back from them by March or April. So it was only like Ooh. a 30, 45 day. That was fast. That was fast. But internally, I was shifting. Like I was opening. I was talking to people. I was moving. Even though you couldn't tell outside, everything was still crazy. Yeah. Foreclosure was still happening. Grandma was still in the hospital. My uncle went to the hospital. Things were still going crazy. But internally, I was like, oh, we cool. Me and God had a conversation. Once I surrendered, like fully surrendered, I didn't care. Didn't matter. Oh my God. And now look at you. I know, right? It's so cool. I feel the energy through the camera <laughs> right now. It's just I'm trying to take some yeah. of this. Ah, <sighs> you you um you scared me just now. That surrendering is important and it's scary. Oh, that's scary. 
Because oh, yeah. we want to hold on to our little, yeah, I want to hold on to this, and I want to hold on to that person and that thing, because I'm, it's not the best, but I'm comfortable here. I don't want to let my stuff go. And it's like, if you only knew what's right around the corner, if right. you surrender. But for me, it was more of a material thing. I, to me, and this sounds weird, I was so connected to what I felt that house represented. The house was a blessing. Like, God, in my mind, God allowed that to happen and made it happen for me. So I was like, it just didn't make sense. I, I was holding on so tight to, to the house because to me, it was connection to God, but it wasn't. It's just a house. I had my connection to God. And I think at that point when I was like, okay, when I finally said, you know what, God, if you want the house, take the house. That's when the surrender really happened. Cause that was like the last piece of thing, physical thing I was holding on to. The foreclosure happens and my credit is jacked because it was already jacked, but jacked up some more, mm-hmm. you'll fix it. I kind of just like, you know what? If I feel, this is my other rant on Christianity, right? Or a believer or Jesus, how are you identify, right? Right. If As Christians, or if I as a Christian believe in Jesus and God of the universe, he can do anything. Why am I stressing about this? He my daddy. If, if he gonna show up, he gonna show up. So if that's what you want, take it. That's, that's how you gotta be, take it. Because you can fix it. You can give it back. You can give me more. You can figure it out. I'm not. I'm. I'm not worried about that anymore. I'm worried about other things. So just to be clear, I'm. I'm yeah. not perfect. I worry about some other things, but some of this other stuff, I. We don't worry about those things. We have new problems now. We don't worry about those old ones. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I, I could use. I could use some new problems. New problems means growth and change. They represent change, honestly. Yeah. So. I'm a, I'm a, I have two more questions and I'm going to okay. let you skedaddle. Um, okay. What is your life like now? I know that must have been a crazy... Do you speak Japanese? I do not speak Japanese. I knew that. Uh, <laughs> it's, a, it's a common question because I'm in Japan. I knew, um, you, I, I knew the answer, but I just had to ask. Yeah, so what... How are you adapting and adjusting? That is... First of all, you're black. <laughs> Yes. <laughs> so I'm pretty sure clear. You, you stick out. I'm plus size black, so I definitely stick out. <laughs> <laughs> so you definitely and I have stick locks. out. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm just walking around the world. <laughs> what is your adjustment like right now? No longer adjustment now. When I first got here, it was pretty intense. Um, so I don't live in like what I call an expatriate community. So those of you who don't know what expat are, um, people who move overseas and in different places around the world, they're normally communities of where a whole bunch of other foreigners basically live together and kind of roll, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it happens in major cities. I do not live in a major city. Um, I don't live in Tokyo. I'm about three hours away from Tokyo. I don't live near a military base. Um, I live in what I call Japan, Japan, right? So wow. I will see a other a, one other black person maybe once a month if I'm lucky. Right, it, it's all Japanese people. If I see a white person or you know a Caucasian person, it might be twice a month, <laughs> right? Like mm. it could be. Um, so everyone around me is is Asian. Um, there are some Indians and Brazilians here, but for the most part, Asian. So initially, it was very awkward and uncomfortable, and I guess I feel like. I understand what celebrities kind of go through in the response of like people just staring at you. Right. They're just looking at you. Um, and uh, first day on the train, um, I had like an older gentleman take a picture of me, I guess, because he'd never seen a black person before. What? So he was trying to like, yeah. Um, so for a while, it was really uncomfortable and weird. So then I started wearing sunglasses because I feel like I had a barrier protection. Like, you can't look into my soul, right? Right. Uh, and then. All of a sudden, it just kind of just one day it didn't matter anymore. It just, it I guess I don't know if people stopped staring because I had the same roots, so they were used to me by then, or maybe I had got used to it, so I wasn't feeling as weird. But um, for the most part, it kind of went away. Um, a lot of people do not speak English, or they don't speak English very well. So mm-hmm. normally, I I cause lots of anxiety, unfortunately, for my Japanese brothers and sisters when I walk into a store, <laughs> a restaurant. <laughs> Right. Yeah. Um, I could just the things we take for granted. You don't have like an app on your phone that translates. I have Google Translate, um, and it does pretty pretty good. Um, it's just uh, 
you just take it for granted when you have to do it every time. Um, when you go to the grocery store and there's pictures, you're like, I'm not sure what, I think I know what that is, but let me double check. Or um, the price, I was overpaying everyone when I first got here because they use yen for everything. So I had to have a money lesson. Thankfully, um, no was overpaying. They was keeping the change? No, they was giving it back. Uh. I was like, why is all this money coming back? So um, <laughs> that took a while to get the currency down. And um, But here's the thing about that. With all that being said, it is actually incredibly easy to live here. And what I mean by that is that, at least where I'm located, is that um, public transportation, everything they have, from what I've seen in the Japanese lifestyle, everything has been planned out and processed. And even if you don't speak the language, you can figure it out. Like everything's color coded. There's like pictures on things. Um, there's numbers. So like, let's say I go to the cafeteria, right? Mm-hmm. Even if I don't know what the little fry thing is, there's a picture of a chicken. So I know it's chicken. Right. Right. Uh. You know what I mean? Like there's just little things that they have done just as a society that just makes it incredibly easy to master. Like I can't read Japanese, but I know what time the train starts, right? So they'll have the tra- the time train. So I'll just stand at this platform and I'll wait, right? right. Um, there's just things that you just, you just figure out and they have made it incre- incredibly easy to do that. So that part actually hasn't been that bad. Like moving here and like, Getting from point A to point B, I thought would be the struggle. That hasn't really been the struggle. Yeah, I figured that that would be your struggle too. And wow. So my last question for you, and I know that you probably can't answer this. Actually, I lied. I have two questions. No, one question and no, I lied. Two questions. Sorry, y'all. It's late. There's a huge time difference between us. It is 11 p.m. where I am and it's what where you are. 12.02 p.m. 13 hours. Yeah. So I'm a little foggy. You say what? I'm 13 hours in your future. Yes. Black to the future, ladies and gentlemen. (laughs) Black to the (laughs) future. Oh, gosh. Do you... So my last two questions. I know I said last two questions before the last two questions. Do you see your... Is this like it for a while do you see yourself coming bike to live i don't know um i in my heart as of right now i think japan is great i don't see japan as my forever home okay. um, i could probably do another year or two here if they wanted me to um but not forever now because i am part of a lot of expat groups now especially one specifically or there's one black women in Japan, then there's one just black people, expats. Um, I just been exposed to all these people who who don't ever come home, or they live part time in one country, then they come to America another, you know, other half of the time, or some people just come home for visits. So, I've seen the different ways that you can expat, right? Um, there's like no right or wrong to it. Mm-hmm. So now I'm like exploring, like, hmm, what would it be like to not have to only live in the United States or to maybe live in the United States and somewhere else, another part of the world. So um, right now, I don't know what that looks like, but I'm definitely exploring it. Uh, I want to talk to God about that and kind of see, you know, how that works out. But um, at this point, I'm totally open. I'm open to any and everything. Openness. I'm going to pray about that for myself. Okay, just be clear. Before we start, I'm going to be very clear. If you pray for... You got to be careful what you pray for. I got uh, <laughs> to give this disclosure. Yeah, 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 yeah. Okay. You, you know... Wait, wait. I, I know. <laughs> Tell them. I know. <laughs> Trust me. Okay. When you pray, if you're a spiritual person or if you meditate or whatever your spirituality is, okay? Whenever you ask for whatever it is you want, you need to be prepared that it happens quickly and that you are ready for what you ask for. You're not gonna be ready, y'all. Let me tell you. <laughs> you're not, okay. And you're not gonna be ready, right? Um, you're not, you can't be ready. You can't be ready. Because if you was ready, you would already have it. <laughs> exactly. Like I, one thing I've been praying for, this was when I transitioned out of education into real estate about four years ago, I think five years ago now. Because I'd, I'd done it a little bit and I kind of saw what it was going to take. And I knew I had a lot of bad habits and just people in my life that I didn't need. I knew I couldn't succeed with this 
these things in my life. I begin to pray that God remove anyone or anything in my life that is not for me, that is not going to help me move forward. Well, and baby. Bay, they hurt your heart. I, That'll hurt your heart. Don't pray that prayer if you're not ready. That will, When that I will say, but you know what's funny? I I attribute that part of that prayer to the end of my relationship because it my you know I've talked about my ex on here a lot like y'all know if you listen listen to the show y'all know how I felt about that girl and it was about to go there but everything stopped and ended before I got to that point and it hurt for a second not trying to sound insensitive but I stopped and I said you remember that prayer you prayed I said oh that took a lot of the hurt away because I was like, this is what you asked for. Mm-hmm. You said anyone or anything. And I said, and I said, God, I may not under, I said, even if I don't understand it, even if I don't know why you're doing it, I'll just know it was you and I got to roll with it. Right. And, and that. <laughs> yeah, my life has, and this just happened mid-May. And my life has changed dramatically for the better since then. Like, it's opened a new space. My mindset has changed. I've gotten new opportunities. I've met some new people. I mean, it's it's just changed. And I said, and that's that's why I said, yo, I, I'm with you. Because, like, it wasn't expected, y'all. It was like, one day we were good. The next day it was like, everything just blew up. I was like, oh, shit. And, and that's how it happens. And that's <laughs> yeah. what I talk to my clients about. Because that's why all my clients are typically a version of me. For some people, it takes a long time. They got that slow and steady, right? And that's fine. There's nothing wrong with that. Typically, the way my clients and I roll, it happens quickly. Like, we good, we good, and all of a sudden, all hell breaks loose in a positive or negative way. It works either way. I haven't figured out what that is yet. I'm still researching it, right? <laughs> yeah. But typically, it happens, and you're like, okay. Then it's time to get, like, then you're like, okay. You take a day or hour, depending on how much time we have to, you know, get the emotions straight, because you got to be emotionally straight, and then you got to we get to work like it's it's bananas but yeah yeah be yeah. careful what you pray for it's basically what we're saying like yeah even if you pray for it and prepare for it you're not gonna be prepared but it won't be as bad if you sit down and like okay what could this look like right do it, do it y'all do it all right last thing i'm gonna ask you ask this of all my guests for mm-hmm. young man or the young lady out there that is listening that may be going through or may be looking to do something similar or the same as what you are doing. What advice do you have for them? You've dropped a lot of gems already in this podcast, but specifically for the person, you know, that, that recent college grad or that person starting over, what advice do you have for them? You mean in the career aspect of space or yeah, career space, like someone looking to pursue their passion, because this is the premise of the show is I like to give people you know, experiences of life and you're giving people your experience and it just mm-hmm. happens to be tied to your career. So for the young man or the young woman looking to pursue their passion, like you are, you're pursuing your passion. Like you look happy, you seem happy. I'm getting mm-hmm. the energy. I'm getting all the feels. <laughs> I'm getting all the right. feels. So for someone who's in search of that and working towards that, because you and I know it's a freaking process. What advice do you mm-hmm. have for them? So a couple things. Um, your passion isn't always necessarily your career. If you just if you just understand that first, that will alleviate a lot of stress and heartache. Like they're not one and the same. They don't have to be one and the same. Um, so you need to determine what your what your immediate next step is, right? And that will I am a, a proponent of your first step will take you to your second step. If you just mm-hmm. follow the like yellow brick road, like you follow the you know the candy place. So if the the goal is to get a job or get a start your career, then be very specific about what you want, how much money you want to make, where do you want to live? It's kind of like you write it down and then opportunities manifest itself to support that, right? Mm-hmm. So, um, but you have to be clear on what you like, which means you have to spend some time with yourself, which I feel a lot of people don't do. Like I understand my personality, my quirks, my strengths, my weaknesses. I know that maybe I'm not the most patient person. Like there's some things about me that I know may not work well in roles in human resources. So guess what? I don't apply for those roles. <laughs> gotcha. Right? Uh-huh. 
right? So that's number one. Number two, you need, oh my gosh, you need a to understand how to, what I say, have confident conversations, achieve confident conversations around yourself, your skills, particularly as you mentioned, your transferable skills, because more than likely the position that you start in or that you get may not be like a direct fit, right? I'm in HR now for the last 10 years. My background is marketing, okay? My first job was in sales and marketing um, as like a data cruncher, right? Because I like numbers. Um, But when I transitioned into HR, I didn't have any HR experience, right? So Mm. you have to be able to have those transferable skills to know, okay, I don't have that direct experience, right? I'm doing air quotes, you guys can't see. Um, But you have to have conversations about that. So if you know yourself, like really take a hard look in the mirror and be honest with what you see, right? (laughs) You are very specific about what you want and can talk about yourself, then go apply for positions or go talk to someone or go network. Like if you do those three things, I feel like the next step will present itself. If you do those three things, it will show up. Ladies and gentlemen, there you have it. Thank you once again for listening to us. Thank you for joining me, Dr. Dash. And of course, if you are a black man and don't know where to start, you come to Black Men Day, go to blackmenday.com, right? Uh-huh, <laughs> then uh-huh. we can help you. Um, we'll, we'll point you in the right direction. We got some bomb speakers. I, got, I just I saw, I solidified another one last night from LinkedIn. So oh, wow. we got somebody from LinkedIn speaking on, you know, so I'm excited. Dr. Dash's all uh, Dr. Dash's socials and all those things that you need will definitely be in the description. Once again, thank you all for listening. We love y'all. We appreciate y'all. Take care of yourself mentally, physically, and financially. Um, and we will catch y'all next time on From My Experience Podcast. Peace. Bye.